Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on a road. One would think as an American fantasy novelist mm. that you would see much in common with The Wizard of Oz and Frank L. Baum. Oh. But you never talk about him except to say that that's why you said it where you said it. And so I kind of wanted, yeah. I, I had questions about that. And in fact, okay. so did other people. They said, I was just reading this to my daughter and it was weird and she thought it was problematic, but I, I'm just more asking you the Problematic. That's one of those words. That, How dare she? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I didn't mention your name. <laughs> I don't know your daughter, but how dare she? Yeah. I think it was problematic. Okay, why why? Well, does anybody unpack that? Why it's problematic? Uh yes, okay. I was considering you reading it with my 6-year-old. I know there's the issue with the good witch mm. and the wizard for that matter. Are wizards inherently evil just as witches are? The good witch. What are we talking about? Glenn, what's her name? Glenn the good witch of the east right yeah uh how should a christian navigate this classic with their kiddos lots of magic stuff going on that doesn't seem cut and dry i i we've talked about some of this before but i thought it was a worthwhile investigation i don't actually know what the problem with the good witch is is it just because she's a witch and witches aren't good i think that's probably the problem yeah i mean yeah nothing to it the good witch of the west doesn't bother yeah, you. Yeah, it's I'm not I mean, I'm not let's let's start by saying I'm not a huge fan of um of Oz. Yeah. Um and I have not read broadly or recently. <laughs> yeah. So, but what I like what I can say is that my own um they're really acknowledgments in 100 covers. I just want to acknowledge that I'm not the first like I'm, I to I'm, set a fantasy story in the U.S. Yeah, I'm always I'm always a little surprised um, at the overweening hubris of my my breed, um, as I think you you might be as well. I mean, like whenever you talk to an aspiring author, you get a sense of uh, grandiosity, yeah, and, and people who feel like they like the Blues Brothers are on a mission from God. Um, <laughs> And they my favorite is the unpublished ones who have their pen name already picked out and like a very yeah fancy and they way. have and they have their their holy war they have their crusade that they're going to be on and the way they're going to change the world and they don't start with just the basics just get all the way back to can you make some good food can you make something fun for somebody to read the reason why I did what I did with the Oz illusions in 100 Cupboards is because I didn't want to pretend like I was the first American fantasy novelist. There, there is plenty of distinctively American fantasy, none more famous than Oz, and set in Kansas. And so, uh, we all part of that is we have in our imaginations, thanks to Oz, the ability to suspend belief, to suspend disbelief about. Kansas. Anything could happen there. We've already done this. We've already done the tornado picks things up and we have witches and we've got all the, we've got this whole thing. Um, and so there's kind of a, the ice is broken there in Kansas. Thanks to, thanks to Oz. And so I started there in my career. I started with, with the fantasy. I wanted to 
like root there initially. Um, also because it's close in ecosystem to what I've experienced in terms of the pollution, and I could I could write it. I can write wheat fields. I can write farmland. I can write those things because I grew up in that. I just need to flatten it. Um, so, so no elevation. Yeah. So it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna change some things, but really it's when you, when you've been there, it's not that different. It's America and it's you know barbecue, baseball, and big red barns, and it's kind of you know yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of familiarity for somebody who grew up in the wheat fields of Idaho. There's an ability to write that, um, and I was not like I was doing a close study of that, so it was it was enough. I could yep. write it. The I impression. knew I could write what I knew, and also I could acknowledge that I'm following the tradition of people who came before me. Uh, it's not the kind of fantasy I want to write. Yeah, what, that's what I thought was more of an interesting discussion of what about it strikes so differently from what you write. I mean, it's not very realistic, I guess, in some ways. No, it's not realistic at all. It's not attempting any kind of realism. It's far more shadow puppetry and tropes and allegories and, you know, it's... Yeah, from the yellow, it's the yellow sort brick of, road being a Pilgrim's Progress sort of thing where you're... Yeah, it's, it strikes me as, as somewhere in between Rolled Doll and the Phantom Tollbooth. You know, it's like it's kind of... It's not as direct as the Phantom Tollbooth, mm-hmm. you know, but it's... yeah. It it's gets it kind of it gets there. It it gets to this real direct allegorical thing. And I'm now also thanks to the movie and everything else, it exists in the imagination in a way that the you know, it's bigger than the books. It exists in the fabric of the American imagination. Mm-hmm. So that's why I did what I did. Yeah. Um I and mean, I wasn't I- trying to imitate his style. I wasn't trying to imitate his writing. I wasn't trying to do anything like that. No. Just the existence of magic. Yeah. And, you know. Getting sucked off. I mean, that opening scene is fantastic, I guess. You know, the whole idea, yeah. the, the inciting incident of her getting sucked off to a magic land. Yep. Landing on a witch and yeah. instantly freeing people from there. Yeah, that's fun. That, that is a fun moment. Yeah. And it's sticky and you understand why people. And it's just weird though, too. Yeah. You, Lewis, it's almost Lewis Carroll-y yep. levels of. Yep. I, I don't really enjoy it. You know what? I don't get why the, the scarecrow is this way, you know, or the, maybe it's just, I'm also remembering the creepy lion man costume from the, yeah, from probably, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I, it's not my jam. Yeah. Um, it never was my jam. It's not my style. It's not to say that it's terrible. It's just not the kind of thing. It's not, it's not to my taste. But you don't have a problem because there's a good witch in it. No. Right. And why is that? Just to spell things out for this question i do think it's a little bit problematic um you know it's it's like a, you know, if you had a good killer a good thief you know it's like you you have to realize that you're cutting contra the grain immediately okay um so a good witch you have you have to be thinking that a witch is not a neutral category like okay. you have to realize that there is a contradiction so glenda the good witch isn't just a good version of a thing. She's a, sp- a specific. She needs to be someone who's acting contra to what she's made. Yeah. So if you if you be. state a category, you have to know what its default factory settings are. And is this plumber, farmer, you know, policeman? Yeah. Those are neutral categories. They don't go good or bad. It can be the bad cop, the good cop. 
you know, it's like the the bad farmer, the good farmer. They can they can go either direction. Mm-hmm. But then there are some things where there's a default factory setting that's supposed to be one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and which which is one of those that's supposed to be bad. This is bad. And so for you to say the good witch is to say the one who's contradicting her own identity. Mm. And that's uh it's not impossible. But if you treat it like it's a neutral category, um, then you're dumb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So maybe you agree. This is problematic. It can be. And it's I think it gets handled a lot of different ways. It's not like it's like wildly dangerous to read. Um you know, a, a Disney movie can be about a little girl who needs to shake off the shackles of her father can be far more dangerous than, you know, a, a story than about Glenda, yeah. the good witch of the West. But you should, you should talk about it. Um, yeah. It's also really easy just to change the word or to shift it around or to unpack what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like using, it's like when I read Terry Pratchett and there's, you know, there are some witches and they behave in ways that are hilarious and also um, good and bad. I'm not, you know, confused or upset or crossing that book off my list. It's just, it's just a muddying of categories that could have been more precise. It's not. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not a huge deal. Right. So, um, you know, this is one of the big, the big discussions around Harry Potter that, people get hung up on and they're confused when you get into Tolkien, you know, what's the big deal? Because Tolkien has wizard. Yeah. Harry Potter has wizard. Yeah. Why is it different? Why is one more nerve wracking and the other not? Um, and I, I think the, the issues of where magic comes from and by whose authority are you doing this and empowered, um, really kind of answers the question of whether this is good and would we call it witchcraft or not? So I think it's one of those things that's more ontological. It's more something we would get into the definition of the word. And so if somebody uh, had power like Moses and they did a thing and they, they did this thing with a magic staff and using this magic staff and their power, they did this amazing work of magic. Uh-huh. Um, what we call it a miracle. And we call it a miracle in order to sidestep any confusion. Right. right. Okay. Um, and I think that what we ended up doing is sidestepping our own wonder. You know, like over generations in calling it just in calling it a miracle. So we are almost not surprised we put it in a different category. Yeah. And I think that it's, that's one of the reasons why I push, you know, I push people to think about um, Moses in the court of Pharaoh as a wizard duel. Like this is a wizard duel. This is what it is. It's on a literary level. This is a wizard duel and you have the good wizard and you have the bad wizards and there's a wizarding duel. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately what a lot of people, um, because they totally, I think, screw up their conception of miracles and, and that kind of thing, they start to believe that Moses didn't do anything. You know, right, they think that right. God did something and Moses didn't even get used. 
Like Moses waved his hands and did absolutely nothing, and then God did it, but in a way that tricked the Egyptians into thinking Moses did it. No, I think a lot of people think that. I think that's the operating yeah. assumption, and that is not. I mean, that is not what the scriptures lead us to believe in any kind of close reading at all. Yeah, the word um, I've tried to use for that's an arbitrary. Moses is what he did is sort of arbitrary to what happened. Like, yeah. He sort of happened to be in the proximity of the action, yeah, as opposed to the means of the action. Yep. And I think I, it starts to get weird, but I think people need to be uncomfortable in yep. that way. And it's it's you have to think about. I, I really do believe that God is obviously the you know he's obviously the power, but God is the power when I you know pick up my coffee mug. It's like when I lift my coffee cup and rattle my little ice cubes and my cold brew in the microphone, like none of that is just of myself. Like all of that is ultimately of my father and of the creator. Like all of that is energy and power that's come down from, uh, been given to me by my father. And yeah, I remember when I lift, when I use the, when I use the energy in my bicep, like it's not really, it's, it's been given to me. Yeah. It's in my bicep now, <laughs> but it's it's even held there as grace from my father. I can't even keep it there. Cuz you'd say, well yeah, I remember losing an argument as a college kid where I was saying I, I think I was arguing for deism. <laughs> 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 where God basically set up these rules and they function and my friend Samuel was arguing, no no, it's his word right now that's making it all work and function together. Yeah. And and I lost happily that argument. Yeah, good. Have, good. Ne have never looked back. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. I, I mean, that's the idea. Is not that our synapses and our muscles all clench together when you move your bicep because there's some power that's set aside. But we we it's the same, right? God's power and the physical. I think needs. I think Moses was given power the way that I have been given power. His power just the way is, I've been given power to walk and think and lift things. Yeah. Moses was given power. Yeah. Um and we know this because he abused it. Yeah, he went and hit the rock when he wasn't supposed to. And it worked. Yeah. So so you can't I'm certain you could respond to that and say, well, God just happened. You just get into weird knots. You yeah, say, you hey, you tie yourself in knots if if um God just happened to make it work so that Moses would think he'd I don't if, know. If Moses was sense. doing the wrong stage directions and it was all a farce. And it was all a lie. And God's supposed to make a sound in the microphone when yeah. Moses does this. Yep. Yeah. It's all lies. Moses isn't doing anything. He is not the means of anything. Yeah. He is the uh, sleight of hand. Yeah. And that's it. And we have a lot of language for that. Like the language of means and the language of causation in divine and human interaction is already something we talk about. Prayer can be a means for bringing out a specific physical cause. Yeah. And we're happy. And so Elijah races horses, right? Yeah. And when he, like, whose legs are moving? It's like, those are his legs. Because that's when he beats the, is that he beats the chariots? Yeah. Back to the And city. so when he, when he outruns horses, would be the fastest man to have ever run on the planet. Um, when he outruns the horses, they were his legs moving. Yeah. But he was given uh he was given a strength and given an energy and given an ability that was beyond human norms. 
Now, what we have is what God gives us normally. Mm-hmm. None of us can run without the gift of God. We're all given, like, this is one of the things that makes miracles difficult. We are all miraculously given the ability to run. You know, it's like, and uh, anyone who can run has been miraculously given the ability to run. It is um, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. And that energy is coming uh, downstream from a star. And we can get all into that and like photosynthesis and the creation of, um, you know, apples from air by means of a star. And then we shove it in our faces and that like God's created means and transferring energy um, into muscles, which he's made from nothing. Like we're all, we're all just down here made from nothing. So there's a, there's a degree to which everything's miraculous, but we define miracle as that which is out of the ordinary, right? So yeah, the fact that God is constantly bestowing just insane amounts of grace on us all the time. We then just define that as ordinary, and then we look for things that are extraordinary to be miraculous. And so he's not doing anything different in giving ability to a human. Um, oh, you see that as the same category. It's like he's giving an, an ability. He is behaving in a way where he just gave abilities to a human, just like he's given abilities to every human. And like, and it's amazing that we can think, that we can see, that. You know, you've never, and this, you can really melt your face off if you start wandering down these roads, but if you've never seen anything directly, you've only imagined things. Like light hits your eyeballs and then your imagination has to get to work. To like make the it, it all is translated into language in your nerve. And then your mind has to take that language coming through those nerves and then imagine. Like there's no, there's no direct unmediated experience that we have of the world. Everything is constantly yeah. translated, retranslated, imagined. It even um, comes into our eyes upside down, right? Yeah. It comes in, <laughs> yeah. And then your imagination well, yeah. it hits the eyes and then we have to, <laughs> to yeah, part it. of the translation in the imagination is that you have to flip it. And if you wear glasses that make the world upside down. Um, your eyes will correct. Your, yeah. Your brain will, your brain will shift it. And then you take them off and everything. Everything's, that, yeah. That's crazy. And your brain will shift it back again. <laughs> um, so it's, you're imagine like we're all here receiving all these things from God all the time. And then God gives a little extra sauce to somebody. Then mm-hmm. we're like, it's a miracle. Yeah. And we find it and, and people struggle to believe. People struggle to believe in a miracle because I struggle to believe that God would do what? That God would give somebody a little extra, you know, caliente than, than he gave me. <laughs> you know, like, oh, why is that hard to believe? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really, really strange. But anyway, when we get to Moses, Christians, because we don't like using words like wizard, because wizard implies that there's some ability in the person, um, even if that ability was given by God. Like even if the ability came directly from God, was a gift of God, even if the power came directly from God, we like to act as if uh, he was a paper doll. And you know, yeah. it's like the paper doll moved its arm and then God smacked something with a hammer from behind. Yeah. Um, okay, but if everything's magic, then, then nothing's magic, Nate. That's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? I guess- No, if you say everything's extraordinary, then nothing's extraordinary. It's like, yeah, sure. 
But magic, the definition of magic is not that which is ex extraordinary. Okay. So if if everything's extraordinary, that's the new ordinary, right? Because mm -hmm. you're defining it based on what's normal, what's average. So to say that um, every snowflake is beautiful does not mean that none are. Okay. You know, it's like it 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 doesn't mean that. Um, and so just, it just doesn't. Now, if we say that everything's a miracle because we've defined miracle as extraordinary, that's where we get into trouble. Magic, we don't get into trouble. This is why I actually like the categories of natural magic and and those things a lot. Um, natural magic and super. Yeah, basically talking about the supernatural and, and natural magic and that kind of thing. But uh, miracles, we tend to assume to be uh, the extraordinary. Like, and I think that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it does make, it does diminish our ability to see the everyday, the amazing, uh, the, just the amazing uh, miracle of the everyday. Okay. Because the word miracle means extraordinary. And this is, this happens every day. This is ordinary. God is this okay. gracious all the time. He is this phenomenally gracious to all of us all the time. Mm -hmm. And because he's this gracious all the time, I can't call it a miracle because this is the baseline. And we only call things that are above the baseline miraculous. And so turning water into wine slowly cannot be called a miracle. Turning water into wine quickly is a miracle. Okay. You know, it's like that's, but turning water into a wine, it's like, well, that's the only way he does it. So you, you, so you distinguish that the natural one, I guess, how about ones that don't follow natural patterns, I guess, like the staff into a snake or something like that? What, how do you distinguish that as a, as a, as a. Okay. So a natural, creative yeah. act. Yeah. Right. I and mean, that's a true creative act. Yeah. Um, but every single thing here is the fruit of a creative act. Okay. So you're saying it's in that level, it's not weird. It's what God does all the time. Yeah. It, what is weirder about a stick being turned into a snake than a rattlesnake giving birth to live young. Okay. I mean, that's just it's bizarre. Pretty, it's pretty weird. It's supposed it's, to come out in eggs if it's a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's, what's weirder about that's that? That's what's than normal. <laughs> a, what's weirder about that than a, watching a flying snake jump out of a treetop and then flatten its entire body by, by spreading its entire rib cage from head to tail by suddenly fanning its rib cage out mm -hmm. and slithering across the air a couple hundred yards to the next tree. Yeah. Then you're like, um, <laughs> look, what is that? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. I'm like, well, but those are flying snakes, right? They have the ability to kind of like unhinge their ribs and fan their ribs out. And that's what they do. Like, right. That's nuts. Like, gotcha. They do it all the time. Okay. So I think they do it all the time. And so the, the fact that what we get hung up on is when God does a one-off, whenever there's a one-off thing, but it's not actually for his power, having made everything from nothing. It's not like, okay, so this snake was made um, from a stick. Like it was made from a stick as opposed to from a tiny swimming sperm <laughs> and an egg. You know, it's like a fertilized egg and, you know, and then this leather 
the, you know, this leather casing and then, and then the goo inside constituted itself slowly into a little baby serpent that came out eating grasshoppers and then grew slowly after eating lots of locusts and grasshoppers and mice into a full <laughs> serpent having melted mice in its gut and turned those mice into bones and venom and scales. Okay. That's somehow less impressive than just a, like God did that. It's a, it's wildly tricky. <laughs> like, okay. So it's one of those things where you look at the way he always does it ordinarily. And because he's doing it on the reg, it's always happening this way. We just overlook the ridiculousness of it. How just amazing it is. And then, and then something happens. It's a one-off and we say, well, that's a miracle. Mm. Okay. I like, can see. okay, I get it. But is it really fundamentally, it's different in pattern. It's different in pattern than all the others, but is it different in power? Is it different in ability? It's like, no, it's not. Okay. Uh, it really yeah. isn't. Now, some of the, the real striking miracles, uh-huh. the ones that are actually different, like truly different are when uh, he places authority and power in mankind that is that is extraordinary like beyond the norm so instead of him making a snake from the goo of molten locusts and and uh mice he <laughs> he gives a man the power to throw his staff on the ground and turn it into a snake and the power to touch its tail and pick it up and turn it into a staff mm. and locating that power that creative power in a man that's the extraordinary act so gotcha. the extraordinary act is not God turning a stick into a snake and back into a stick. There's nothing extra special about that for God's power other than the fact that he just did it uh, in a weird sequence in a different way than he normally would. The thing that's actually unique about that whole situation is the location of the power in Moses, mm-hmm. um, the location of that creative power in him. Now we tend to focus on the product itself or the action itself. yeah we tend to focus on the fact that hey a snake got made in a weird way mm, as yeah like okay a snake got made in a weird way they're all made in weird they're ways. all made in a weird way it's all weird it's all <laughs> like all of it's weird gotcha okay now i'm starting i think i'm finally kind of getting how the tolkien was really against the word magic because he thought it meant some sort of sleight of hand or yeah. some sort of manipulation Yep. He liked to save it for the use of the enemy, and the elves didn't have a category for it, even though they seemed to sort of be doing magic all the time. Yeah, right, capturing yep. the light in the gem, yep. you know that sort of thing. Um, and I actually, I think that's one of the reasons why Tolkien really lasts and holds up is because it enables him to focus in on authority and the location of authority and the source of authority, which is what makes magic okay or not. It makes it stolen or given. Okay. And so you see the elves operating uh, by gift, by ability, like mm-hmm. birds flying. They're, they're like birds in flight. This is something they've been given the ability to do. It's just baked into their design. They can make a robe that hides you. Yeah. Or, yeah. Just, this is part of their ability. They call it na- natural. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's by, it, this is in their own fabric. Uh, God made them this way. Um, like he makes a stick bug that way. Uh, and so they're operating within their design in doing those things and, and they have the authority to do those things. Um, and I think that's Gandalf has the authority to be doing what he's doing. He's not, he's operating based on power.
power, like raw power, not on the technique and the manipulation of having said the correct words in a certain way, if that makes sense. So like okay. Harry, the Harry Potter style of magic is all about, but did you say it correctly? Did you hold your tongue right? Did you like, but you got to like do it. And there's a little bit of the power, like the power is there because his Patronus is, mm, it's tasty. You know, it's like there's, he's got a little extra power, obviously, that's latent in him, but then there's all this manipulation and saying the incantations and and those kinds of things, which is more about technique and manipulation. I think that's the thing that Tolkien hated. Okay, because um, then when he says this is the enemy's magic, it's usually something we would call gunpowder, right? Them At Helm's Deep, them blowing yep. something up. Yep. Um, it's pharmacaea. It's that kind of like drug mixing, potion mixing. Yeah um the a-bomb it's that kind of thing and even the ring i guess you'd say is trying to locate tons of power in an object to control other people yep um, so it's a way to um imprison power you know it's like it's to falsely imprison power but then you see gandalf and he's um a guardian you know he's he's wielding one but gandalf operates with a certain measure of power and strength right that he's been yeah. given and then he's promoted and he's promoted, he's given more. Yeah. And so his strength has gone up. Um, when he becomes Gandalf And the he's White. promoted yeah. via having died, having laid himself down in conflict with the Balrog and then being you know, brought back. So it's a very interesting, the way Tolkien navigates it is very in interesting. Well, I've always but there's Frodo can't learn. Frodo cannot learn it. There's no like little spells and incantations that Frodo could learn because he's, that would be like a rat trying to fly. And that'd be pretty foolish of Frodo to be yeah. like, hey, show me how to do the the, the firework thing. Yeah. Gandalf. Can you can I hold your staff and do this, you know? Mm. And it's like, well, you can imagine Tolkien uh doing that, like having that, but having it backfire very badly because that staff is part of his power and authority, and then now you're stealing it. And so there's gonna be consequences and okay. And so on. So similar, Tolkien has similar a, to when Pippin steals the Palantir. Yeah. To, tries to Yep grab or control yeah. that viewing stone it does he just doesn't have the equipment in yeah. order to you know wield the storm you know like to mm. to do that kind of thing so i think that when you get into the nature of magic here you have to look at how god gives power to people historically um, how he does it in his stories and how he does it here um i'm just thinking of all the everyday miracles you hear you know where that mom a mom flips a car yeah. over you know? So when a mom, that's a perfect example because when a mom uh, flips a car over off of her kid, when a mom grabs a car, uh, you you have to say in that in that moment, it's like okay, so there's there's a couple different options here. It's like, and there's two that would be uh, acceptable. You know, one is that she didn't. Right. Right. She she, she grabbed she it. Lied. Something else flipped She it grabbed over. it and an angel grabbed it at the oh, same okay. time, right? Yeah. Like an unseen force is also there. If you had eyes to see, you would not be deceived. Gotcha. You know, it's like there would, like if you saw it clearly, if you saw it with um, Elisha's eyes, you would see it as it actually happened. Um, she grabs the car and a guardian angel grabs the car and... Together they flip. Together it off. they flip the car off. And the, somebody paints a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's like, um, you know, it's like there's, we only see the part of it. The other, the other that I think is highly likely is just 
raw grace, just kindness of God that she's given um, an ability mm-hmm. in that in that moment that she's given an ability to do it. Um, can and, I can I also push back and say what I think people will want to say is, oh no, we just don't know what the human muscle can do when there's like a, this much amount of adrenaline. You right. That's, there's some truth to that. And and we just say, so could that be ignorance there? Well, I guess maybe the way we could sort this out is say, we don't, sure, we don't know what the normal means of grace is. So what they could say, when they're saying that, they're, they're arguing for the possibility of a new ordinary. Yeah. So they're saying it wasn't a miracle. There's actually, this all could be ordinary. Like that could be a new ordinary for everyone. Gotcha. Um, and, and you're saying that's kind of dumb because. Yeah. And now I would say that, it muscles may- at all just realize that muscles at all are incredible yeah when you start to go down to the tiny little parts that all join together into bigger yeah. parts and then it's incredible it's all yeah. incredible the fact that muscles only work one way they <laughs> only pull yeah. <laughs> none of them push they it's, only do one yeah. thing <laughs> it's ridiculous it's incredible now mm-hmm. if so i already find all the muscles to be amazing if somebody says do you know that they could actually be even more amazing collectively they could get stronger it's like well obviously they will like in the resurrection and so on. I expect that as we all become more fully human and become what we are truly meant to be in the resurrection, that we'll see what muscles can really do. You know, it's like that we'll, we'll get there. So is this a glimpse of that? I don't know. Yeah. But it doesn't, that doesn't take any shine off what just happened. Okay. So you find a lot of people who are highly motivated to make something not a miracle. Mm-hmm. They want it to be not a miracle. Yeah, they want to say it's sci- it's scientific. This is not a miracle. It's like, that's just yeah, it's really dumb because okay. everybody's but, trying to they try to get to a place where the the natural world absent the supernatural could explain what just happened, and you can't because the natural world absent the supernatural doesn't exist at all. There is no natural world. It doesn't function. It doesn't exist. There's nothing. And so they're highly motivated to say, see, a mom could have done this without help from the supernatural. It's like, no, she couldn't have because she could never have been a mother. She could never have existed. She would never have walked on this planet apart from the supernatural. Gotcha. So even if you say, well, by the grace of God, actually, it turns out muscles, when uh, activated in a particular way, can do these phenomenal things. It's like, well, all that means is in that moment, by grace, she tripped into a new level that nobody had ever seen before. Yeah. Um, and that we'll all get to experience someday. So, yeah. Uh, you but know. you'd still agree that there are certain categories where, oh, you're just saying that natural doesn't make sense, but you'd agree there's certain categories that natural as divorced from supernatural. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you, that distinction. Okay. That helps. I think that's very key for understanding or d- discovering the, no, is this problematic magic or is this ma- magic yeah. that? That makes sense, or why is Tolkien's different? Is the magic about incantation, incantation manipulation, uh, the seizure of power? You know, like are you stealing power uh, that is not designed for you? Okay, this is that, awesome. is, that is outside. Can we jump of your into authority. your books real quick? Sure. So the distinction between uh, Henry and Darius yeah. being pretty key right there, because mm-hmm. Henry, you he actually gets a new nature. Or his, yeah. his, he's given ability when he sees the dandelion. Yeah. Right? It burns into him. So when he's burned by the dandelion fire. It, uh, yeah. What's it called? Is it the change? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. So he, something changes in him. So he's able to access power in a way that isn't before. Yeah. He becomes a green man. It's like, right. this is, you know, he's able to pull 
power from around him and to use uh to use that strength can you and then darius is the bad guy who mm -hmm. steals power right can yeah you explain how that works a little more well actually yes he has some natural power because he's yeah. the mushroom the mushroom guy. yeah so darius has basically darius has the same starting point that henry has and then is just not content with it mm. um and so he's fundamentally deceptive and um constantly trying to, he's trying to grasp for more mm -hmm. which is why he's allied himself to namayani and he's looking to instead of multiplying life so one of the things that you instead of multiplying life he's actually looking to kill drain mm -hmm. um and and one of the reasons why i represent him with fungus is um because his life his power is the kind of life that means the death of others so mm -hmm. it's like his the life he actually is able to produce is the life of decay, the life that comes from that mm -hmm. kind of decay. I also have him using his power to modify his own physical appearance. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's deeply insecure and mm -hmm. is is always grasping. And so where Henry is unleashing this kind of like green, this this very um, well, it's fire, you know, it's like, but it's uh you know, at, when he's done, there's dandelions everywhere. Mm -hmm. And when Darius is done, there's mushrooms everywhere and everything's rotting and mm -hmm. mushrooms are growing in it. Um, you know, so Henry is multiplying life. Uh, and Darius can't do that without leaving things dead behind. Um, and that's more symbolic of what he's, what he's doing and what the witch does. So when Nemeone gathers, um, when Nemeone like, gathers her strength, she cannot do it without killing, without draining. It's uh -huh. fundamentally a parasitic. Um, and so uh, Henry's is more of an alliance uh, as opposed to uh, drainage. So when Henry gathers uh, power, like uh -huh. when he like girds up his loins, gathers power and is going to strike, he is he's not leaving things dry and shriveled around him. Um, yeah. Where Nemeone is. So she's draining everything down to ash and dust. Um, and Darius is just short of that, you know, where afterwards it's, it's rot, it's wet rot and decay and fungus. Yeah. 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 Um, is Nemeone's black star sort of a ring sort of stand in a similar sort of thing? Yeah. But it's also, it's just, um, it's similar, but it's also the point of, uh, it's like an appetite that can never be like, never, filled. ever be filled. Um, so it's like basically a little, like a black hole she can hold in her hand, mm. um, you know, where it's just consuming. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is that consumption. So she could never be filled, um, because she has this tool that enables her to never be filled. Like mm. she herself could be filled and she has this, you know, this extra device, this, this black star that she's using to enable her appetite to go way beyond um what she would be able to do on her own enabling her to devour far more okay so it's the multiplication of her um you know of her devouring but gotcha. that's but that's and so henry it's it's natural magic it's by design he he's made this way um uh, he's meant to be this way it's his inheritance it's actually it is his birthright um and this this transition that he experiences when he's burned by the dandelion fire is something that's coming you know it's, it's coming for him it's coming by design this is who he's born to be uh, and is mm -hmm. called to be um darius 
betrayed that. You know, he had the same, he had a similar birthright and could have been faithful with it and he's abused it instead. Um, and so that's, I think that's one of the things I was, I've learned from Tolkien and from Lewis is that you have people who have power and magic and they have it by authority, they have it by inheritance, they have it by gift, um, by birthright, but they don't have it by theft, manipulation, uh, scheming. Yeah. Um, we got a little more time. I was thinking jumping into to Lewis with that same question and you're already going there. Jadis, when she's making candy, for example, yeah. it's trick. It's a trick, sort of, I guess. Yeah. Um, how do you view Jadis's magic? So she has real power, right? Yeah. And she has real power, which she's abusing. She's sort of, uh, she's one of the jinn. You know, she's like the, she's like, a, she's a descendant of like fallen angels functionally. She's, she's sort of, she has this supernatural uh, ability that is not meant to be where it is. She's not meant to be wielding it. It is the downstream consequence of this rebellion against heaven. Um, and it is hollow fundamentally. So it's, you're going to eat this candy and it's going to leave you feeling sick and wrong. Yeah. Um, it looks good. The first taste might be great. And then you're just going to feel awful. Always winter, never Christmas, obviously her main power. Yep. And so she's, she's got this, but if you go to Charn, you know, like you go back to the power to destroy. Yep. Like ultimately her power is destruction. And the word, the final word that she said. And so, and we just, this is what we have sought for a long time, um, is the ability to destroy. And we've gotten pretty good at it. So there's no way that if we explained, um, you know, to uh, Captain John Smith or Walter Raleigh or, you know, any number of people from a different age, like, no, so actually the world is made up of these very small particles that move very quickly. So quickly you can never see them. Yeah. And they're (laughs) mostly not there, but they're moving very, very rapidly. Yeah. Um, And that's what it's all made of. And it's this very complicated dance of them moving at very high speeds uh, as fast as light. Um, And they're just tiny. Uh, So far, they would have no problem. Mm -hmm. That would make complete sense to them that there's spheres spinning and that it's saying all that what's down, going on yeah. up in the heavens is going down on all the way down to the tiny thing. And then even if you got to a place where you said, and there's so much power in these tiny things that if you split one, an entire city will be engulfed in flame, just, just gone. They still would have no trouble because their concept of like natural magic and like the the way God has infused power in the world and design, none of that would be shocking to them. Um, I mean, these are early alchemists. Yeah, I mean, they're looking for that. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna tell them like, yeah, no, if we do this, we can erase whole cities. They'd be like, ah, I was looking for that. <laughs> and it's like, so did you figure out how to cure fill in the blank? And we'd be like, no, no, but we can erase cities. Mm. Like we haven't we haven't figured that out. We won't we won't cure the plague for another twenty years. But we can erase a city. <laughs> you know, it's like it's mm-hmm. you know, like destruction always outpaces uh, gardening. <laughs> we always yeah. we always outpace uh, the actual like tending of the world, uh, and and that kind of uh, with with the authority of Adam, 
the actual like fruitful authority of Adam, we always will outpace with the the bloodshed side. Mm. Um, and I think that there's no way that we could look at that and say that that's not magic. Okay. They would look at that and be like, yeah, that's, that's sorcery. Like that mm. is, that's the most powerful sorcery ever. And we'd say, no, 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 but it's repeatable. And they would say, so? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that kind of manipulation, that kind of finding that kind of power and force uh, through repeatable manipulation is just something we renamed, but they would have another name for it and and they would know exactly what it was. I think I said on the last podcast, we talked about magic, that if, if uh, we described for them uh, the use of embryonic stem cells, you know, they yeah. they would understand if like so here's what we did we took very young infants out of their mother's wombs and we made a paste of their tissue and we inject it into the shoulders and yep. you know knees and whatever of men to make them strong they would know that that was necromancy they yeah. would know that's death magic you are stealing life from that's something. death magic yeah. they we have a word for it yeah um and we erase these old words and and just have science. It's all, it's all just science. It's all just science. <laughs> and we are very, very foolish in our own like sterile protected linguistics. Yeah. So it is, it is always interesting to me when people balk at um, stories that have uh, witchcraft. And it's one of those things because the word I get, like the word, like, yeah, it's there, it's in scripture, but there's also an older understanding that would have included a lot of our pharmaceuticals companies under that category. Mm -hmm. They would have understood that most of what big pharma does is witchcraft. They would have put a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of weapon design, like a lot of that would have gone under sorcery, Uh, you know, chemical warfare, weapons of mass destruction, all that kind of stuff would have gone under sorcery. A lot of the kind of research, I mean, you look at the, the Planned Parenthood videos and that kind of stuff, they would have, all of that would have gone under witchcraft. It's like, so we have plenty of people who are watching sci-fi and they're watching it with a very, very narrow modern definition of witchcraft. And somebody has to say the word witchcraft and know that a medieval would have seen all of these things as uh, some aspect, some category, some subset of sorcery, necromancy. Because you're the because occult. you're using power to manipulate. Yep. And for wicked ends, basically. Yeah. If steal. if you are manipulating the natural world to try to reach beyond your authority, like to get outside your authority, um, then you are, you know, you're playing around. You're dancing with the devil. And obviously, ways. there's a lot. Or we're not. You're not saying all technology. No, is that, not at all. Because, but there's obviously lines. So if you look at embryonic stem cell research you look at what was going on with all the you know all the sale of the baby parts you look at even even what people are doing when they are doing tests on animals for shampoos like even there's there's things like that that medievals would have looked at and said like that's wrong or that is a form of witchcraft or that's like there's there's things that they would have condemned in any number of areas of our lives that we don't even give a thought to. I mean, it made the news only because of those like hundreds of beagles that they were testing flies on. You know, yeah. that's, that's how many sand flies does it take to kill a beagle or whatever it yeah. is, you know? Yeah. 
like yeah no that's the kind of and thing that barely made the news I mean, yeah yeah that's like a oh because fauci funded part of it <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah so even even the engineering of a virus like the en- yeah. like the engineering of a disease like this kind yeah. of that kind of thing and it's so there's obviously lines and there's obviously boundaries that in all these different areas what we're trying to do with ai mm-hmm. what we're trying to do with like yeah creating uh intelligences and consciousness or false consciousness to to make decisions and yeah um and do those things or the fact we haven't eliminated smallpox right we kept it yeah like even that sort of thing <laughs> seems like a line issue <laughs> like, we just kept it yeah. in, for a rainy day <laughs> like hey, just keep it in the freezer uh, just in case just in case but it's all this to say i'm not saying that science is bad or tech is bad or anything like that i'm just saying that i get into conversations with a contemporary person who thinks that um that only the word witchcraft and the casting of a spell while wearing a black pointy hat is what's being talked about. Mm. And older civilizations would have understood that we are so far across the line in so many areas. Gotcha. You know, that we're, we're all over the place. Um, so to jump back to our opening, when you're talking to a six year old, you are more, you need to be more aware of like the question of, are you doing wicked things for your own gain and for manipulation yep as a character question than whether the person is a witch or not are you being a faithful son or daughter of adam yeah as opposed to are you are you imaging god are you imaging christ or uh as opposed to is there just a word that's triggers a you know naughty reflex and so I think that while we should be cautious around the word and I wouldn't flippantly use it, I think it has a default factory setting of negative and we should treat it yeah. that way. I mean, a lot of that's cultural too. We're happy. I mean, it's meant something for so long that when someone says, I just love witches, we all know what to do with that kind of person. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but when somebody says, man, it's so cool what they're doing with cloned sheep. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, what, what, you know, what, a, what's going on? Um, what Elon Musk wants to do with the relocation of the consciousness, you know, it's like, what do you? Those think? are bad things. Yeah. What do you? Th- what do you think? A- well, I haven't looked into the sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe well, it's cl- but okay. So whether or not we have a right to clone sheep is something that could be discussed, right? Right. Like you could have that conversation. I'm not saying that we don't necessarily. I'm just saying you should have to have a conversation because that's the kind of thing that your little village wizard would do for you come in and mold like i can just <laughs> you have one sheep i'll make it three for the low yeah low like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna clone <laughs> your sheep um that's wizardry you know okay. it's like you're getting into wizardry mm, um, interesting and so we have all these places where we have scampered way across the line of what previous uh because in previous we did eras, it in a lab we did it in a university because we did it in a white coat and we yeah. made up a new vocabulary for it we right. don't understand that those old words would encompass all these different things that we've run yeah. down and done, pharmacaea, um, and so on. So it's, you know, anyway, all this to say is it's more complicated. And in every single one of these areas, it has to be discussed. And we have to talk about whether or not we're acting uh, with the authority God gave us. And if we're abusing the authority God gave us, then we are across the line. And if we're acting within the boundaries of the authority God gave us faithfully, then we are not. Okay, so do we think Moses is like narrow-mindedly stupid when he says witchcraft is forbidden? Is that our problem? We read back in here, witchcraft is forbidden, right? I don't yeah. permit a witch to live. And we think he means the tiniest number of things that you do, like sort of the cauldron. Very, very, yeah. We're like, if it has a cauldron, that's what Moses is thinking. 
that, rather yeah. than something much bigger. I mean, it's, it's also funny because there's, they, they would have used a cauldron for any number of things for, <laughs> you know, it's like they're, they're washing with the ash from the sacrifice and they're doing, they have their own rituals that they're doing because they've been told to, they're operating mm. within the, within authority. And then somebody else would be doing a different ritual in a different way to a different God. And they would know, okay, false worship and so on. Okay. Um, mm. But we know that like witchcraft is, includes the occult. It includes potion mixing like pharmacaea. Um, we know it, it, there's a significant sexual component, um, mm, and control yes. of other people, like getting yep. people to do what you want. Yep. And so it's, um, abuse of authority and we see that, but then it's, it's also funny that we see that, you know, when we, when we get over to Saul and the witch of Endor, you know, that very, very famous scene that she really had a, a little devil she was playing with. Right. She had a little imposter devil and she had a little shtick. What was the familiar spirit getting out of it? We don't know. But whatever that familiar spirit was getting out of it, probably a blood sacrifice. There's probably something um, other, you know, other texts in the ancient world would uh, yeah, lead they, us to believe that they're- They drink blood, right? Yeah, probably getting blood. There's probably something going on there. It's very clear in the Odyssey, so. Yeah, and then Samuel shows up and she's pretty upset, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is awesome, incidentally. One of the coolest things about it is that she recognizes him. like yeah that there's recognition Mm -hmm. um is is pretty fantastic i mean he would have been public enemy number one of her right samuel yeah yeah. oh yeah (laughs) he got rid of so you look at you look at all this and you you think like okay so that's witchcraft and you have to start with the things that are at the top of the eye chart like the big e at the top of the Mm -hmm. eye chart like working with the occult like working with um Mm -hmm. powers you know the fallen powers devils and and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff but there are other things as well Okay. Um, potion mixing, you know, all that kind of stuff. And really, it's kind of funny though, because the Sir Walter Raleigh and those guys who are chasing alchemy, they they gave it. They were some of the first people to give it a new name, to try to sidestep cultural prejudice. Yeah. Alchemy. It's an Arabic it's, word. It's a it's science. An Ar- it's an Arabic it's a word. science. <laughs> like I'm trying to turn lead into gold. Uh, it's a science. It's not. It's not sorcery. It's not witchcraft. Science. Yeah. Um, and so it's funny though, we could go back and they would see that we're across the line, but they were the first ones. The reason why we're across the line is because they started, um, which is also kind of funny. <laughs> okay, good. All this, because if you say the good witch, you have to realize there's a contradiction, but it's the same kind of contradiction as the good thief. Gotcha. Good killer and so on. It's good. I think it's good to rehab that conversation. The magic one. Uh, we're getting there. I finally am, I think, all the way there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, you know, we can do it like in an organized fashion at, at some point if we want to like work through um, principles methodically, like what is my theory of natural magic and all this kind of stuff. I think, but I think maybe we just move on. Um, the The most important thing is to realize that miracles are defined as like extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And whenever people think that that something can be explained by natural means, um, that is not miraculous. And we just have to realize that the ordinary is really, really ridiculously cool. And so if we're just defining the miracle as extraordinary, that tends to mute the coolness of the ordinary, mm. which is unfortunate. The ordinary is wild. And that's a lot of your project. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Kind of my hobby horse. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Aren't they making a movie about Oppenheimer? 
Probably. I think I, I think I heard that's I think they're coming. making a movie about everybody. I'm curious if that will get uh, how they handle someone who. There's a movie about Brian Cole in development right now. It's just movies about everyone. No. Too many movies. So much. <laughs> so many streaming platforms. So many movies. They just need the content. <laughs> <laughs> the life and times of Brian Cole. Oh, that'd be so boring. <laughs> Peace. Hi, it's Brian Cole here, wanting to let you know how you can support the Stories Our Soul Food podcast. You can do that by checking out Canon Plus. Head over to mycanonplus.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the SASF podcast. We'll hopefully be seeing you at mycanonplus.com. Make you work.